This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good afternoon, St. Louis. DGS on KMOX. Happy Thursday to you. Uh, Amy is delightfully dancing to Hall of Notes. I love it. But out of my periphery... I would have bet every penny I have you were doing the robot. <laughs> and I was, that's just how she dances. That's as smooth as I get, unfortunately. <laughs> I, 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 it was almost like thinking you see a ghost. I was like, just look at her. Just look at her. Yeah. If she's doing the robot, you'll, it'll, be, it'll be fine. I looked over and you weren't. I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. She was too seductive. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> uh, I find myself in one of, uh, as I've, I've said many times, uh, I'm not good at starting shows. I'm just not. It, it, it's one of those things like uh, I've analogized a four-hour talk show, which is impossible, to like when I drive to Florida. And when I pull out of my driveway and I'm uh, one mile down the road to Florida, I'm just like, this blows, <laughs> right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Should I stop at a QT now? Do I need to pee yet? You know. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not good at starting shows. And I'm especially struggling today because – I, I don't know what to do with my hands. I, I mean, do you do you talk about uh, Hamas? Do you talk about um, uh, the uh, – there's so many things to talk about. Can you have any fun? Do you just do this for four hours? Do you feel me? Mm-hmm. Like where are you guys on this just in general with – well, I hope the answer is you can do whatever you want because we spent a lot of time doing a lot of different stuff, you know. But we did. We began the show with uh, yeah. the Speaker of the House situation, the I think, House. today. Yeah. Um, because it's, I mean, we, we've been on Israel since it happened on October 7th. And I guess our first show was the 9th. But um, what's happening in the House of Representatives is important to that also. Right. Yeah. It affects that. It affects uh, the the border. It affects Ukraine. It affects us in St. Louis and yep. St. Charles. We talked to Don Chapman of Just Moms uh, about the radioact- radioactive contamination that's in St. Charles, that's in St. Louis County, and what we can do to help the communities and the families getting sick. And Don Chapman said, well, there's a bill that needs to be signed that would allow federal funding to go to help clean up and help pay these families the money that they deserve because they've been dying. Guess who can't sign the bill? Yeah. The House. I mean, yeah. the Speaker of the House, that whole mess is affecting us here. Um, you know who comes out looking, I think, the best at out of all of all of this is Kevin McCarthy. Because you have so many people 
uh, in the House who are now stepping up and finding their you-know-what and saying, we never should have done this. Like, he's the best guy for it. McHenry's fine. There are a lot of people who would be fine, but he really was the guy to do it. And because of Butthead and a few of his little rascals friends, um, the, here we are. And this is what's happened now. We're in total chaos. And Jim Jordan has dropped out. And Scalise has dropped out. And there's no one who anyone thinks can get 217 votes. And the people I saw interviewed today, uh, given they are moderates, but they're saying the only one who has a chance is Kevin McCarthy. So so we may, I'm not yeah. predicting this, I'm just saying that we may be in a situation in a week or two where we end up where, with him getting voted back in. It's just all mm-hmm. so... I expect more from them. This reminds me of that story when I was a teenager and I was working for Willerette's Horseradish Farm and it was 98 degrees but cloudy and it was 8 in the morning and we're chopping down giant weeds with machetes. Me and, and my buddies there and I'm like, this sucks. This, let's quit. Let's just walk out. Let's just come on. Let's just walk out of here. Let's go. And they're all like, let's do it. And uh, Mr. Willerette was on a tractor like 50 feet away and I go walking out and like Norma Ray leading the union charge and I look behind me and no one moved. And uh, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of like that was a Matt Gates. Like Matt Gates just got all over his skis and all excited. And I'm going to be, you know, Thomas Paine or something. And then he just left this wake of stupidity. Like a child who threatens their parents to run away. That's even better. Like I'm going to run away, and then they go, all right, go ahead, pack your bag. See ya. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> That's even better. I think I did that once. One thing I find, uh, what I find interesting is it's almost like musical chairs that before the Hamas attack, if I would have asked any one of you guys, hey, what's your feeling about uh, Gaza? What's your feeling about Palestine? What's your feeling about Israel? What's your feeling about Hamas? Um, you would have had an opinion, but I doubt it would have been like a, oh, thank God you asked me that, Dave, like a passionate front of brain kind of thing. And I have spoken to so many of my friends who've called and texted me uh, saying, basically, I am having emotions and opinions uh, that I've never had before. And that's why I say it's like musical chairs, that it seems that people are uh, running for, well, what chair do I sit on? Am I pro-Israel? Am I pro-Palestine? Am I pro-Palestine but anti-Hamas? Can you do that? Can you this? Can you that? And it's happening nationally. Uh, do, do you guys understand what I'm saying? It, it, there just really seems to be, and I'm in, I'm in the same position. Like, I am not a student of this part of the world. And when I heard that Israel was going to, uh, and please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, my understanding is that Israel said that it was not going to allow any aid in until all the hostages are released. So basically, no food, no water, no power, no nothing until you release the hostages. Did you guys hear that as well? Well, they've they've already agreed. They're already giving aid. Like they've already talked with the U.S. and they're providing aid. But they did <laughs> say that though, correct? That's out there. I don't I don't know who said it, but it is out there that idea okay. that they that they weren't going to until the hostages were released. Okay, good because people are responding to it. <laughs> people are out there posting things about how dare you this and how dare you that. And uh, b- my opinion was basically I under I understand that logic. You know, like look, the most important thing to us are these hostages, and we're going to starve you out until we get them. 
However, to me, that's playing down to the level of the people who you're fighting against. Plus, who's going to starve first? The the hostages. It'll be the hostages. And that was my I thought. just don't know that there's yeah. ever a time or a way where you can be on the side of good when kids when kids are thirsty and when people are starving. Right? There has to be a better way than that. So I hope they don't go that route. Um, I just and, saw a headline. They're bringing 20 trucks through Egypt. Yeah, which people are saying, like, yeah, yeah that feeds a 1,000 people. Have they right. been able to cross in because they were backed up at the border? Yeah, I, I don't so know. What, just, what's the latest on It was on just that? a headline that they were that Egypt okay. was allowing them in through that through that side. It's. I mean, it's. this is a really difficult question to answer because Hamas is the one that put the women and children mm-hmm. in harm's way. When you're using civilians as human shields... And you're using civilian buildings for ammunition dumps and for your headquarters. I'm not saying it's okay to just level them and do that. That's not the point. The point is that this is not just a one-sided sharing of responsibility. Yeah. Yes. And then also, as as we talked about the last couple of days, how much different is this than what we did in Fallujah? Well, and I'll, I'll just add this to the aid and why the conversation is different. And this is something that I've been passionate about for years and for whatever reason um, in my life surrounded by um, close friends and acquaintances who are Israeli and also uh, acquaintances who are from Gaza, live in Gaza. A couple of them are in Gaza now. And this is something that I've, I've looked into and talked to people about because it is complicated. But when it comes to the aid, yes, Israel said they will allow humanitarian aid, water through the humanitarian corridor via Egypt and said we would like to assure that this is humanitarian aid and it's going to the people of Gaza. And again, it's layered because think of the past two decades, all of the bombing from Gaza, the rockets from Gaza into southern Israel, specifically Ashkelon. Ashkelon is where Israel provides the electricity for Gaza. The, you know, the electricity is going from there. Water pipes, you look at the roads in Gaza that have been dig, dug up. Israel provides 50% of the water to Gaza. Those water pipes get dug up by Hamas to make missile launchers. There has already been so much aid that has been either destroyed by Hamas, uh, as as Kevin said, using civilians uh, as well, just to play into the numbers, but also using them as guards, right? Okay, we're going to put all the civilians in front of our soldiers here so they get hurt. The Hamas rule has devastated Gaza and has also already stripped water pipes, burned up electricity, uh, taken electricity to light up its terror tunnels, blown up humanitarian corridors, taken yeah. aid for terror. Oh, they it's st- complicated. Yeah. There was a... Um there's a Palestinian man who is a peace worker. He, he lives in, I believe, Jerusalem, might be Tel Aviv, but one of the two. Um, and he was talking about this. He said Hamas has stolen over time tons and tons and tons and tons of mm-hmm. concrete that was intended to build schools and mm-hmm. homes and hospitals. And they used it to build their underground tunnel system so that they could attack Israel. They take food. They take these type of humanitarian things and they give them to their wealthy donors and they sell them on the black market. And this is a Palestinian man saying this Mm -hmm. who studies the issue. And I think going back to your very first point about how do we all process this, what we should not do is what Ilan Omar did this week and see a tweet and reply to it 
and 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 make that our source of an opinion. And she walked that back today because she saw an AP report about the hospital explosion and said this is a war crime and went off went off. And now today she's like, well, you know, it turns out that AP report might not have been right. What we all should be doing is kind of following like what, what Amy does. Read, look into the history, look into what's been happening, not just today, not just the last 14 days, but what's been happening over a long period of time. And instead of forming these gut opinions from what we're seeing on social media posts or videos that may not even be, I've seen videos purported to be from all of this that were from soccer celebrations from 10 years ago. Or, not to pile on Ilan Omar, but she also retweeted um, a picture of like all these Palestinian children dead, wrapped up. And that was from Syria. That yeah. was the Assad regime in Syria from 2013 killing yeah. all yeah. of the Palestinians and I'm, and I'm certain in Syria. She, my guess is she didn't know. She thought that it was a, a current video. I think the, the ultimate problem still exists, though, is no matter what happens here, we still have hostages who are in the way. We have civilians in Palestine who are in the way of what Hamas is trying to do. And you have to figure out how to not kill them. Yeah. It doesn't matter how they got there. Yep. They're still there and you have to figure out because there are multiple reasons why. Number one, civilians shouldn't die for this cause. That's number one. Number two is the more civilians that end up dying, if it's Palestinians who end up dying, for each one of them that dies, you are creating the possibility of more terrorists down the line. So is Israel's security is not ultimately going to be helped if they just go in and level the whole place Correct. and kill thousands of people. Because yep. maybe they get rid of Hamas now, but what, there are thirty to 40,000 Hamas uh, uh, terrorists, right? Thirty to 40,000 who are, who are in that group. You're going to wipe them all out? Okay, if you only wipe out those thirty to 40,000, and in the process you kill thousands and thousands of innocents, do you think that makes Israel safer 10 years from now? No. In, it doesn't. Interestingly, the current leader of Hamas in 2008 was a prisoner of Israel in Israel at the time. I don't know why he was like a temporary prisoner. He was a prisoner in Israel. Had a life-threatening brain tumor. Israelis doctors did life-saving brain surgery on the leader of Hamas. And then he went back to Gaza and is attacking Israel. This is an ideology war. Grace, let's take a break. I have a couple pieces of sound uh, apropos of this to play for you guys, get your reactions. Promise you we're not going to be talking about Israel the entire time. Lots of other problems, and we're going to try to have a little fun along the way. 122 DGS. Uh, so Kevin was making some points on the break about, and, and Amy, that if you are in Congress, you owe a, a higher standard of care about what you say and what you don't say. And uh, this is sound of Congresswoman Tlaib, who was outside uh, at a protest and uh, very animated. My understanding is uh, that this is after Joe Biden said, I am very confident based on Israeli intelligence and the Pentagon that the IDF did not... uh, shoot a rocket into this hospital. It was the uh, Islamic Jihad, and uh, here's all the proof, and I'm no expert in any of this, but I found it pretty convincing. Uh, And yet, uh, Congresswoman Tlaib went on and she did this. Continue to watch people think it's okay to bomb a hospital where children 
You know what's so hard sometimes is watching those videos and, and the people telling the kids don't cry and like let them cry. And they're shaking and somebody, you know this, they keep telling them not to cry in Arabic. They, do, they can cry, I can cry, we all can cry. If we're not crying, something is wrong. And so I'm telling you right now, President Biden, not all America's with you on this one. And you need to wake up and understand that. We are literally, literally watching people commit genocide and killing a vast majority just like this. And we still stand by and say nothing. We will remember this, but all of you, you need to know, I swear to God, Allah, you are on the right side of history. You are. You're doing everything possible to save lives. What is wrong with that? Stop it with trying to try to politicize this. Thoughts? Well, I think it's disgraceful, and it it is... It's disgraceful. It is completely dismissive of the Hamas terrorists who we have said have oppressed and hurt Palestinian people in every single way possible. Water, electricity, food, humanitarian aid, breaking down their infrastructure, giving them no hope and no future. That's Hamas. And then the raping of women and of old ladies and parading them around the street and the murdering of babies and the murdering of kids. And then she brings up the hospital, which, again, the U.S. President Biden said this was not our data shows this was not Israeli. This was uh, Islamic Jihad. And also the IDF said that. And there was a new report, BBC, using the information that they have from their reporters and from their satellite imagery that it was Islamic Jihad and not Israeli. I'm I'm shocked. I shouldn't say I'm shocked. I'm saddened and dis- it makes me despairing to see that many people And I know like this was her speech, but we're seeing this across the country in different venues, different events, different age groups, um, the supporting the terror that's going on. On the other side, Sarah Silverman, you guys will have to help me with this. I think she retweeted this tweet, uh, but she's she's taking a ton of flack for this, uh, says many are saying that it's inhumane that Israel is cutting off water, electricity to Gaza. Israel made it pretty simple. Release the hostages and we will turn it back on instead of pleading with Hamas to release civilian hostages, which include babies and toddlers. There are politicians, cough, cough, AOC, uh, calling Israel inhumane. If that isn't enough for you, Israel does not need to supply Gaza with these resources, which they do for free. If Hamas did spend billions of dollars on terrorism, they would be able to if Hamas did not spend billions of dollars on terrorism, they would be able to build the infrastructure to support themselves. And uh, now she's kind of become the target uh, for people who are saying you're genocidal. We have to protect innocent people. There are innocent people living in Gaza right now. Just because their government is failing them, just because Hamas is failing them, doesn't mean they deserve to die. So I get why when you retweet something like that, you receive pushback from people because you're basically saying you're okay with innocent people dying. It, it doesn't matter how they got there. Exactly. They're there. The point is they are there. It doesn't matter They're if people. it was their government's fault or another government's fault. The fact is they are there and they are in danger. That does matter. That's the only thing that matters. I agree. And I think there's something we have to add, though. And that is how many more die if you don't take care of the problem. 
And I agree, by the way, every single government agency on the planet should go out of their way to never hurt a civilian in any way, shape, or it's part of why we need to be helping Ukraine because Russia went through and just murdered civilians and there's documentation of it. It's not okay. And I'm asking the question legitimately because mm-hmm. I don't have an answer. If they're going to use the tactic of constantly propping up civilians in front of them to protect them, how do you get to them? How do you stop the problem? I don't know, but yeah. you got to figure it out. And I agree. You got to figure it out. I think I, I appreciate Kevin asking that question because everyone keeps telling Israel what they can't do. No one's telling them what they can do. No one's blaming Egypt for not opening a humanitarian corridor, but we're no one blaming Egypt, but the blame falls on Israel. No one's blaming Hamas for not providing to water. To be fair, though, Egypt's not telling them to leave. They're not allowing they're them not to letting get them there. To cross. No right, but they're also leave. not the ones saying, hey, go find somewhere else to go, but it can't be here. Raj, but you're seeing all the responsibility for it. You have to provide the water for free. You have to provide the electricity for free. And, and Israel is doing this, but the amount of responsibility and the standard to which we're holding Israel to, Kevin's point, no one's, everyone's telling them what they can't do. What can they do to defend themselves while their kids and women are being murdered and raped and their communities are being They're not going to be safer after this. Welcome back, guys. DGS 134. So I opened the show saying I wasn't really sure how to start, uh, but the passion in the studio uh, and the phone calls uh, tell me that we're starting in the right place, that we don't want to talk these issues to death, uh, but it, 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 is, it couldn't be more important. And as I open the show, I think people are trying to decide what their opinion is. When you are confronted with something that's relatively new to you, uh, I think it's fair to take a couple seconds to try to figure out what you think and to take in as much information as you can to form an intelligent opinion. And you know me, Mr. Evolution, like be open enough for your opinions to evolve as you take in new information. For example, uh, Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib uh, saying that uh, it was Israel that uh, that killed the 500 people in the hospital. It looks to me that the evidence is to the contrary, and uh, Omar has backed off on that. Tlaib has not. But that's what I mean by evolve. It just means as you take in new information, be strong enough and brave enough to change your mind. Uh, let's get some phone calls here. Mark on line one. Mark, go right ahead. Yeah, on um, Ronji's things about the poor Palestinians that are innocent and that are being used for shields, I understand what he's saying. And I also understand that you're you're not going to make Israel safer, okay? But, Ranji, it's going to even be worse if we don't do something. Because if you don't do something, they're going to do it again, and they're going to do it again, and they're going to do it again. And they're never going to stop. So you have to do something. And I'm sorry that the Palestinians are being used that way. That is wrong, and we need to help them as much as possible. But the answer is not doing nothing. Thank well, you, Mark. thank you. I, I did not say do nothing. That's correct. I said I absolutely did not. I said you have to be more surgical in what you do, because if the ultimate goal, which it should be, is to make Israel safer, I promise you this is not going to do it 10 to 15, 20 years from now. And I'm, by the way, I'm not the only person in the room saying this. It's not just me. Um, th- that That is true. There is. I don't like platitudes at all, but there was one, and I think it was General McChrystal, 
who years ago said, for every one civilian you've killed, you've radicalized 10 people. And if you just want to play a numbers game, it may not be Hamas 10 to 15 years from now. Maybe it's something completely different. Maybe it is something worse. And again, I'm not saying don't do anything, but if you don't think they have to be careful in what they do, if they are interested in making their situation safer, and I am interested and I want Israel to be safe, I'm not sure that going in and leveling the entire area is going to make them safer down the road. That is not a ridiculous idea to have, and it's not outrageous. It is absolutely reasonable. If the goal is Israeli safety, they have to be careful. This isn't, this isn't just about, I don't want innocents to die. It's also about how do we make Israel safer down the road. That is an absolutely reasonable position to hold. Hamas agrees with that platitude about how for every civilian that dies, you radicalize 10. That's why they use civilians. Yeah. They love to use civilians. They put Hamas terrorists in civilian clothes so that you can count the yeah, deaths as civilians. I've, they love yeah. to use civilians for their end goal, which is ending Israel and killing all of the And Jewish I'm not people. disagreeing with I don't know where, where that's coming yeah. from, that I'm not saying that's also true. So no I one, am. No one in the room is a military person, uh, myself included, but it seems to me just watching this over the last few decades that the the best you can hope for realistically is to knock back the capabilities of these terrorists and then while they're down try to uh push them even farther down but it's not like an army that has the bravery and honor to wear a uniform and fight like real people and uh, surrender and sign peace treaties. My point is, I don't know that you can ever get all of them. And if there's any of them, almost like an infection, they're going to come back. And sadly... It's like a tumor. Sadly, it seems to me the best you can do is knock them back down, like we did with Al-Qaeda, uh, but I don't know how you ever really get rid of them. And is and Israel is talking in terms of we're going to kill all of them. And I get right, why, I get right. why I get why they're saying that. I understand it. Well, they're part, mad. part of it's emotional. Yeah. Part of it is is uh, strategic. But I don't know that that's possible. Um, and it is a terrifically difficult problem. And, and everything that Chris said, just to have his back. Yeah, I agree mm -hmm. because. Uh, what I hear Chris saying is, I care about Israel. I want them to be safe. It's uh, obvious. And yeah. I don't know that them going in full bore is the safest thing for them. Yeah. Before you jump in, Wheels, let me get Rick online, too. Rick, uh, the floor is yours. Go ahead. Oh, hey, guys. Uh, thanks for the, the, the comments. Um, anyway, it, it's nice to hear it being discussed. I, I don't agree with. You know, the Palestinian people allowed these Hamas folks to infiltrate and take uh, a position uh, just like we are doing now with our southern border. Um, so I, I, with that in mind, the Israelis owe the Palestinian people a warning that they're coming. And if the Palestinians, the civilians, fail to respond, uh, it's, it's just like if you receive a tornado warning and you do nothing, shame on you. 
So I, I just want to throw that point out. And um, uh, again, thanks, thanks for your comment. So what I hear Rick saying is the best Israel can do is say, you've got this much time to get out. Then we're coming in and we're, we're going to mess this stuff up. There's a difference between going to your basement and relocating entirely when you don't have anywhere to go. I also want to, want to point out there was, I've been hearing things about how, you know, oh, it's, it, they, there was two hours notice before the hospital, you know, was attacked, this sort of thing. You can't move a patient into it. I've, I've spent a lot of time in hospitals. You can't move a patient into it, yeah. yeah. let alone evacuate an entire hospital. Evacuation takes a very long time. It's not a matter of, like, you hear the air raid sirens. Oh, that means you got to evacuate. Which Get hospital are you talking about? Because Israel didn't hit a hospital. Whatever hospital that was attacked by whoever attacked it, this is what I've heard. Yeah. I, I think part of the problem here, too, is I'm not sure what our border has to do with any of this, but... I, I think we mistake accepting Hamas rule at the point of a gun for acceptance of them. I mean, they are not above jailing and killing their own citizens. We know for a fact that was happening, again, from the same people who were who who are Palestinian who have gotten out mm-hmm. of Gaza because if you were to speak up against Hamas, your best case scenario is you go to prison. Right. So it's not, and and again, they haven't held an election for seventeen years. They haven't allowed That's not people a to democracy. vote. Why do you think they won't allow an election? Because they know well, they won't necessarily this. win. You guys were talking about this in the break, and I watched a little bit of this on on television last night and and this morning. That there are a lot of people in the U.S., people in Congress who are criticizing the Muslim world, saying, "Hey, uh, you don't want the Gazans. You won't let them come in." Uh, What's up with that? Why why aren't they more your responsibility than other people? Mm-hmm. What do you make of that? Well, in Egypt said, we don't want radicalized uh, jihadists in our country. We don't want the Palestinians. They said, no, they're not taking them. Jordan just said, we're not taking them. They don't want them. And that is, I think, like, again, I think we should be then pointing fingers. Israel or Egypt doesn't want the Palestinian refugees in the Sinai Peninsula. So they is that fair then to, to sum that up and say that parts of the Muslim world states are considering Gaza to be a country full of terrorists, basically, or potential terrorists? Potential because, and, and one of my friends pointed this out, this is not Muslim versus Jew here because Muslims and Jewish people have lived together peaceably for a long time. But this is specific radical Islam, right? It's an ideology that you see in Hamas and the radicalized. Yes. I mean, Egypt straight up said we don't want that terrorist group in our country with the potential to grow. Jordan said the same thing. And so, yes, I think I think the world could absolutely put pressure on surrounding nations to provide temporary harbor for Palestinians. The human Egypt borders Gaza, so that is the most logical choice. Egypt is part of the blockade for crying out loud. Egypt should say, "Okay, for this moment in time, we're going to allow the Palestinians to cross the border through humanitarian corridor." But they're saying no. I would love to talk to someone from the IDF who could be honest with us and, and say, "How do you tell the difference?" Like when you go in and you start this ground war, how do you tell 
how do you find the Hamas fighters? Other than like through intelligence, okay, they're right. they're living at fourteen thirty three Maple Street. Like when you see people mm-hmm. and they look the same and they're dressed the same, they're not in uniform. They're not in so uniform. This right. is this is slightly different, but to that point, you know, Jerusalem. So many uh, Jewish people, Christians, Muslims, they go to Jerusalem to worship. And right now, at certain points in Jerusalem, if you are going to worship at the mosque. If you're over the age of 50, I believe you're allowed to walk through. If you're under the age of 50, they ask you to provide like your address to show that you live in Jerusalem or live in mm. Israel. Should I mean, is there, uh, this is a question, certainly not a suggestion that I know, but is there, is there a lesson to be learned for all of us discussing this and thinking about it? And I'm sure People in the military and the IDF, or our, you know, the American Armed Forces that are you know that are helping them with strategy and things, is there something to learn from what happened with Vietnam? Because we had that same problem. A lot of the soldiers could not tell the difference from the, the between the Viet Cong and the civilians because the Viet Cong would blend in with the civilians and again use them as human shields. We saw this in Afghanistan. We went in full bore in Afghanistan. Was that a good idea? Did it work out best for us? Because it took 20 years and the Taliban's in control. We did get the leaders of Al-Qaeda, but could we not have done that in a different way using a more surgical approach rather than trying to take cities, take land, occupy the place, put in a new government, none of which worked? Are there lessons that all of us should be thinking about from these past military excursions that did not work as you wanted them to? I, I've said this before in, in the last couple of days. The most successful thing we did in Afghanistan was get bin Laden. Yep. And how do we do it? Snuck in the forces. middle of the night, yeah. got his ass, got the hell out. And, yep. and the people in his compound died, but nobody outside the house did when I, I do believe that they could have dropped the bomb for sure. And there would have been more collateral damage, but there wasn't. They went in surgically. I know this is different. We're talking about thousands of people and you don't know exactly where right, they are. Right. But I, all I'm saying is, and I and this is, I, I don't know why you wouldn't want the ultimate goal for Israel to be safe, is to do this as carefully as possible because every civilian you kill is going to make the situation worse down the line. I promise you it will. I promise you it will. I want to go back to something that Joe Biden said. This is slightly different than the point we were just making, but I think it's important. He talked again about his visit with Golda Meir when he was a senator and how she said, we don't worry, we have a secret a secret weapon. And he said, what is that? And she said, our secret weapon is that we have nowhere else to go. That's their secret. And of course, the modern, there's always been an Israel, uh, a Jewish president presence in Israel, but the modern Jewish state was created after World War II because of the Holocaust to say, we need a place for Jewish people to go who have been a a people without a land since the Romans conquered it, um, the turn of the millennia. So for 2,000 years, and that's the Romans' name for Israel was Palestine. That's how it got that name. Um, the Romans conquered it. There are people without a land for 2,000 years. So after the Holocaust, we're going to create this modern state so the Jewish people have a land. They, by the way, the population, the Jewish population, has still not fully recovered from the Holocaust. And what's interesting is you talk about not having places to go. Uh, even in the U.S., right, Jewish people face persecution. In, in New York City in 2002, there were like 262 
attacks on Jewish people, which is one every 33 hours a Jewish person was attacked in New York City. And then also different countries, whether you're talking about Pakistan, Israeli passports can't go there. Iran, Iraq, they can't go to Indonesia. They can't go to Bali. They can't go to Malaysia. They will literally be arrested if the minute the plane lands. There's nowhere else for them to go. DGS, good conversation. Your phone calls are always welcome. Gary calling in from Springfield, Illinois. Gary, go right ahead. How are you guys doing today? Good, man. Thanks for calling. Hey, I'm sorry if I go in and out of some hills and hollers here. I'm headed from Quincy back to Springfield. Hey, uh, my question was, I just happened to tune you guys back in, and you were saying, you know, you've got to be very careful, very particular about what they do when they go back in. And it was, was why? They didn't do that. They deliberately picked on civilians, not the military, because they're kind of, you know, they get away with it. So I, Gary's saying here is why does Israel have to be careful going into Gaza when Hamas was not careful going into Israel? Because they're better than Hamas. Yeah, you don't want yeah. to you don't imitate target the tactics civilians of the bad guys. Purpose. Yeah, if you're if the you, good guys, you got to be right, the good guys. Right, yeah. We don't, well, I hope we don't do that on purpose. I know we do it on accident for sure. It happens. Civilians die in our campaigns. Um, but I would hope that we're not going into a foreign land and saying this is a neighborhood full of, of people. Wipe them all out. I don't care. I would hope we're not doing that. We're supposed to be better than terrorists. Does anyone have any idea uh, what Israel is planning? I don't mean like secret inside information. Yeah. I just mean when they say ground incursion and the prime minister just said that Israeli troops will soon see Gaza from the inside. Uh, do you have any idea what the plan is? My guess would be the plan is to to try to take out their infrastructure because fighting each individual is impossible. And as we've found out, fighting a war against an ideology is impossible. But what you can do is take away the tools and the the spaces that they use to Blow attack you. Tunnels. So fill in those tunnels, tear down buildings, find all their weapons caches. I would think that's got to be at least near the top, right? Because you're not going to get everybody. You're not going to get 30,000 or whatever fighters there are. And you're certainly not going to kill an idea. So the best thing you can do is make it impossible for the time being for them to attack you in this way from that space. Any final thoughts? Okay, good. You guys can leave. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. 
Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.